hold them up real high. Repeat after me. Say, this is God's word. Come on, say it with confidence. This is God's word. Not Pastor Evans' word. I am who it says I am. I can do what it says I can do. I can be who it says I can be. And I will have what it says I can have. Today, I will hear the word of God. I boldly declare that my mind is alert. My heart is receptive. My ears are open. And I better not go to sleep. I'll never be the same. In Jesus' name, amen. Father, we thank you for your word. It's always a lamp unto our feet. It's always a light unto our path. And as we come today to hear the word, I thank you for the spirit of God, who is the true teacher. And as I step back, I invite the spirit of God to minister through me to your people. And I declare in advance, as we hear the word, our minds will be transformed and renewed. Our lives will be changed for the better. And Lord, you are already lining up things to work together for our good. And so I thank you for signs, miracles, and wonders following our lives as a result of your word. And it's in Jesus' name I pray. Let everybody say amen. Amen, amen. God bless you. You may be seated. I am on my third week of teaching independent messages. Everybody say independent messages. If you're visiting us, typically I teach in series, meaning that it's normally one topic that's spread over four to five weeks. But because I'm in between series now, I've been teaching independent messages. Now, today's message is a result of a conversation that I had recently with one of our members. They gave me permission to use their story And uh, even though I'm not going to mention their name, the story will have the principles so you'll understand, you know, how the story works and why I'm trying to teach what I'm going to teach this morning. But anyway, they call me to get some wisdom regarding a custody situation that they're going through. Amen. And as we were going through discussing, you know, the specifics about their attorney and specifics about the money that it was going to take for them to, you know, not only get the attorney, but to complete the case. uh, I began to ask several questions. And one of the things that they outlined was the different ways that they were going to come up with this money. They said, well, I'm going to, you know, ask the attorney to give me a discount and then I'm going to take this pay period and this check and I'm going to save some money here. And, and, And I could tell what they were doing was trying to find money. How many have done that before? Trying to find some money. Well, I asked them a question, and the answer to the question is why I decided to teach the message I'm teaching today. I asked them, did you pray and ask God to supply you with the funds? Because the scripture says he will supply all of our need according to his riches and glory by Christ Jesus. And so I asked them, have you asked God to help you? And they said no. And I asked the question, well, why didn't you ask God? And this is what they said. I have too many things that need to be fixed in my life. And before I get them fixed, I don't feel I can ask God for help. 
Now, how many can relate to what they were saying? You know, where you know you. You know what you've been involved in and what, you, what you've done. And, and a lot of times people are so caught up with sins uh, that were years ago. And so uh, what I want to do, if you're taking notes, I want to talk about overcoming a sin conscious. Overcoming a sin conscious. And here's what I know. I know everybody in this room have sinned before. If you've sinned before, let me see your hand. Let me see your hand. All right. If you don't see your hand up, they need deliverance. <laughs> if you have your Bibles, I want you to find 1 John chapter 2. We're going to look at verse 28. 1 John 2, 28. And then we're going to look at Philippians chapter 3, verse 9. And I'm going to use a lot of scripture this morning because when you deal with the area like this, uh, it's, a, it's a kind of broad area, but I really want to help you understand how overcoming a sin conscious life can change your life now we're going to start in first john i'm going to jump right into the verse in verse uh chapter 2 verse 28 it says and now little children abide in him that when he shall appear he's talking about jesus when jesus shall appear we may have confidence everybody say confidence we may have confidence watch this now and not be ashamed before his coming Now, there are two words that I want you to notice in that verse that makes this verse very powerful. The first one is the word confidence. Everybody say confidence. And uh, the second word that I want you to see in here is the word ashamed. Now, this is what happened to Adam and Eve, if you didn't know it. After they sinned against God, they immediately became ashamed. To the point where the Bible says they took some leaves and covered themselves up. And one of the first manifestations of shame is to hide or isolate oneself. And that's why a lot of times when people are going through difficulty in their life, instead of pressing close to God, a lot of times they run away from God. A lot of times instead of coming to church, they run away from church. Why? Because shame is real. Now, in Genesis chapter 3, I'm just going to read verse 7 and verse 8 because I want to show you that immediately, right after Adam and Eve sinned, shame came on them. It says, and the eyes of them both were open, and they knew they were naked, and they sewed fig leaves together, and they made themselves aprons. And they heard the voice of the Lord God walking in the garden in the cool of the day. Watch this now. Here's the point I want you to see. And Adam and his wife... They hid themselves from the presence of the Lord among the trees of the garden. They hid themselves. Adam and Eve felt ashamed after sinning against God. And that's what sin does. When you and I sin, it will cause us to to, to feel shameful and in some cases condemned. And anytime shame is working in our hearts, watch this now, our confidence towards God goes down. And this is why a lot of times people don't feel that they have the right or the position to ask God to do certain things in their lives because they're so full of shame, they just feel like, look, I laid, I made this bed, I might as well lie in it. Amen. Now, in 1 John chapter 3, I want to show you now how this works. It says in verse uh, 19 of chapter 3, for if our hearts condemn us, 
God is greater than our heart. So let's just stop here. Let me explain something to you. Faith works in the heart. Everybody say faith Faith. works in the heart. Faith works in our heart. And so anything that can keep our heart contaminated or full of sin, then that's what's going to happen. And so what happens is our heart is where we're condemned. And it says here, if our heart condemns us, here's the, the amazing thing. God is even greater than our heart. Which means that God is bigger than the condemnation you may feel. It says, and he knows all things, verse 21, beloved, if our heart condemn us not, watch what happens when you and I have a heart that doesn't condemn us. It says, then we have confidence towards God. And when you and I have confidence towards God, verse 22 comes in. Whatever we ask, we receive of him because we keep his commandments and we do those things which are pleasing in his sight. Now, let me just explain here that when it talks about the commandments in the New Testament, it's not talking about the Ten Commandments. Because you and I don't have to live by the Ten Commandments anymore. I'm going to say that on this side. You and I don't have to live by the Ten Commandments anymore. Jesus died. In fact, nobody could do it. So Jesus had to die. He had to fulfill every one of those commandments because we couldn't. And when he died, watch this, he died fulfilling the law. And because he fulfilled it, I don't have to do it. You say, well, what it just said here that we keep his commandments. Jesus introduced two commandments in the New Testament. And if you and I live by these two commandments, watch this. We will fulfill the ten with ease. He said, first of all, you need to love the Lord your God with all your heart, all of your soul, all your mind, and all your strength. And then the second commandment that he introduced, he says, and you need to love your neighbor as yourself so listen all i have to do to because if you love your neighbor you won't cheat on them amen if you love your neighbor you won't kill them if you love your neighbor you won't steal from them amen and if you love god you will not worship no other god so listen stop concentrating on not tithing and concentrate on you loving Jesus said, if you love me, you'll keep my commandments. What commandments? To love him first and to love my neighbor as myself. Amen. So when our hearts condemn us, our confidence towards God goes down. But watch this. But when our hearts are right towards God, our confidence towards God goes up. So how do we maintain our confidence towards God after we've sinned? Because this individual that I was talking to could not get over the hump of remembering what they had done. And it's not like they had done something that day. Some of us are still plagued by sins of our past. And the devil, his job is to condemn us. The Bible calls him the accuser of the brethren. He does not want you to get over the sin. In fact, he wants you to continually feel bad about something you did years ago. He knows that if he can keep you feeling bad about what you did years ago, he knows your heart is going to condemn you. And if your heart condemns you, your faith is not going to work. Amen. So how do we maintain our confidence towards God after we've sinned? Well, let's start with the obvious. 
And that is we must confess our sins when we commit them. Everybody say you must confess them. You must confess them when you commit them. And in 1 John chapter 1 verse 5 it says this is the message which we've heard of him and we declare unto you that God is light. And in him is no darkness at all. If we say that we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness then we lie and do not the truth. But if we walk in the light as he is in the light, we have fellowship one with another and the blood of Jesus Christ, his son, cleanses us from some sin. How many sins? From all sin. If we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves and the truth is not in us. If we confess, watch this now, if we confess our sin... He, God, is faithful and just to forgive us our sins. And if if that was enough, it would stop right there. But he says, no, I don't just want to forgive you. He says, but cleanse us from how much? All unrighteousness. If we say that we have not sinned, we make him a liar and his word is not in us. So why is it that if we confess our sins, like this verse says, that we sometimes still don't feel forgiven? Why do we feel like we need to make it up to God by doing extra works? By being extra good? By... Uh, going over and above, oh, I messed up this week, so I'm going to show up to church and I'm going to serve. One of the main reasons why we feel like we have to do, do additional things to receive forgiveness is because we're trying to process forgiveness through our feelings and our emotions other than through faith. The Bible says, by grace are you saved through faith. In other words, faith is the thing that I have to live by and walk in the rest of my believing life. And just like you got saved by faith, watch this, you must now receive forgiveness by faith. Now, I love Philippians chapter 3 verse 9. They're going to put it on the screen. Philippians 3 9, this is what it says. And being found in him, in Christ, not having my own righteousness, which is of the law, But that which is through faith, I just said that, of Christ, the righteousness which is of God by faith. So here is where the stronghold of a sin conscience comes in right here. Notice that it said that our righteousness, or I'm going to say our self-righteousness, comes from doing the law. In other words, you and I, for some reason, tend to feel better if we keep the rules. But see, what happens is when you and I sin, which we're going to do, whether we are doing it on purpose or not, when we do that, we cannot process forgiveness through our emotions or how we feel. And that's the problem. That's where the stronghold of a sin conscious comes in. It comes in because we're trying to process God forgiving us through how we feel. And you can't do that because how you feel is going to change just like this weather in Texas. And there are many people who believe that doing good works will get them to heaven. There are some people today who've never heard the gospel in the right context. And they believe 
that they have to do certain works, good works to get to heaven. But you can't do good works to get to heaven. If you could do good works to get to heaven, you wouldn't need Jesus. Jesus, listen to me. He's already all the works that are needed to be done for a person to be saved. Jesus did it. He did it all. So what do I do? All I have to do now is receive by faith everything he did. Amen. It's just like if you went to court and you had some some tickets. How many ever had tickets before? Let me see your hand. Amen. And, uh, you know, sometimes if you don't take care of the tickets, they go into what they call warrant status. Amen. You know, I had to, when we were at Seguin, I had to have security to park in different places because they looked like police cars at one point. And members, some members wouldn't come to church because they thought the popo was coming. They had some warrants out. Oh, I can't come to church today. I'll watch it on YouTube at home. But let's say you had some warrants for some tickets. You go to court. And right before the judge calls you up, uh, somebody walked in, a complete stranger, and they say, uh, Eben, my name is Joe, and I understand you have some warrants out and some tickets, and I, I understand that it's, it's gonna cost you like $10,000 because you waited to, so long. That's a lot of tickets, ain't it? And they say to me, uh, when the judge asks you if you're guilty, go ahead and say it, but I'm gonna pay. You're fine, and if you have to take some jail time, I'm going to do that for you. Now, I would be a complete idiot if I say, oh, no, it's good. It's good. I'll pay it. I'll spend the time in jail. How many would go ahead and take that Joe up on his offer and just let, I'll let you go to jail for me, and I'll let you pay the fine? Well, that's what Jesus has done with our sin. He's paid the fine and he's done the time. So if he's paid the fine and he's done the time, why are you and I trying to pay him back? And so there are people who believe they must work their way into heaven. Not going to happen. But then we have this group of believers who may not believe they have to work or do works to get into heaven. But they believe, though, that they must do good works to keep their name on the list. I'm going to say that again because I think you missed it. So you might not be one of the people that believe, oh, I got to do works to get to heaven. Because the Bible says, not of works lest any man should boast. Okay, so I can't work my way into heaven. But there are some believers who believe that even though I cannot work my way into heaven, I must do good works to keep my name on the list to get in heaven. Well, if you, if you can't work to get in, you can't work to stay in. Amen. Good works is what most people do hoping that it will help them feel better about the sins that they committed. Now, what's the purpose of works? I'm going to just throw these at you real quick. There are four primary reasons for us doing works. It's not for us to be saved. Here's number one. Works keep my faith alive. We already know, remember, faith is a two-sided coin. Believing is on one side, action is on another side, or works. James 2.26 says, for as the body without the spirit is dead, so faith without works is dead. So one of the reasons you and I should do works is that it keeps our faith alive. Number two, works is what the world needs to see for God to get glory. Yeah. 
works is what the world needs to see for God to get glory. Matthew 5, 16, Jesus said, let your light so shine before men that they may see your good works. And watch what happens after they see your good works. They will glorify the Father which is in heaven. So one of the reasons you and I should do good works is so people in the world can give glory to God. Listen, the only Bible some people will read is your life. Number three, we do works to show that we believe in God. Titus 3, 8 says, this is a faithful saying, and these things will I affirm constantly, that they which believe in God might be careful to maintain good works. So another reason why you and I should do good works is so that we show that we believe God. Listen, don't just, don't just say it, show it. I mean, I, it, look, you can take that family Bible to, school, to work if you want to. You know, the big white one that got the colored pictures of Jesus in it. Come on, how many had that Bible growing up? Let me see your hand. Yeah, we, I mean, it was a huge Bible. Listen, look, you can punch a hole in that Bible and put it on a chain, a Ron DMC chain, and wear it around your neck. But they don't want to see the Bible. They want to see it in your life. And one of the best ways that you show that you believe in God is if you show it. Amen. When I first got saved, I was one of those people that people were shocked to know that I got saved. How many, how many of y'all life was like that? Yeah, they were shocked like, what? So uh, I had transferred from Jarvis Christian College to, hey, to Prairie View A&M University. Okay, and 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 my reason for transferring were not godly. If I wasn't saved, so it didn't matter. So you know, I, I I went to that school, but I got saved at Prayer View, right? So I went back to my old school to go get some transcripts that I had to pick up. So when I got there, some of my old, you know, uh, frat and you know, Sarah's, you know, I had I was in a social fraternity. Okay, that, that, that's for people who didn't want to get beat up with a real fraternity. <laughs> so I was in the social fraternity and, and they found out that I was on campus. So they came and it was, I don't, I don't know, 10 of them or whatever. And they, they, they saw me and they hugged me. Hey, Evan, how you doing? And, you know, the, the grapevine talks. So the, the great, they had heard through the grapevine that Evan got saved. So they wanted to know if that was true or not. So we was talking, they said, hey, I mean, we heard you got saved. I said, yeah, I got saved. And so one of them was bold. They was like, oh, so Evan, that means you can't have sex no more. Now, I had a choice right there to let my light shine or take the batteries out of the flashlight. Sometimes you just got to take a bold stance. Come on now. Don't let the devil punk you. You shame him. No, no. So I was bold. I said, oh, no. Where you hear that from? I can have all the sex I want to. And they looking at me like, oh, we knew he wasn't saved. I said, only when I get married. 
see how the devil can twist and make it look like, because I'm talking to somebody single right now. Uh, uh, I ain't going to never be able to have sex. That's a lie. You can have it as much as you want when you say, I do. The devil will make you think you can never have sex. You ain't going to never be able to have sex. Never, ever, ever. You're going to be a nun. You're going to be a priest. You're going to be, boy, you're going to be celibate the rest of your life. You ain't going to be able to handle that. No, it's only for a season. Amen. So I want to do good works to show I believe in God. Uh, the, the New King James Version of Titus says, And let our, let our people also learn to maintain good works, to meet urgent needs, because so that they may, be, uh, may not be unfruitful. Here's the third reason. Uh, number four. Am I number four? Uh, works causes fruit to abound in our lives. Works causes fruit to abound in our lives. And when we produce fruit, we have asking status with God. John 15, 16 says, Jesus said, you have not chosen me, but I have chosen you. And I've ordained you that you should go and bring forth fruit and that your fruit should remain. And this is what happens when our fruit remains. And whatsoever you shall ask of the Father in my name, he may give it to you. In other words, when you and I produce fruit, it gives us asking status with God. So here's my question. Can works produce forgiveness? No. It's the blood of Jesus and the blood of Jesus alone that permanently removes the stain of sin. And watch this. It doesn't matter what level of sin you commit because to God, they're all the same. Amen. So why do we feel guilty or why do we feel condemned even after we ask God to forgive us? Here is why. And this is why we've developed a sin conscious. It's because you, you and I were never created, watch this, to feel forgiven. We were created to know we were forgiven. When you feel, when you want to feel forgiven, what's happening is you're trying to process forgiveness through your soul, man. Your soul is your mind, your will, your thoughts, and how you feel. Everybody say, my mind, my will, my thoughts, and how I feel. When you process forgiveness through that channel, through your soul, then depending on how, when was the last time you sinned, and depending on what that sin was, will determine whether you feel forgiven or not. But forgiveness has nothing to do with your feelings. Forgiveness is not a feeling, it's an act of your will. Forgiveness should be processed through, watch this, my heart or my spirit. Because forgiveness is spiritual. Everybody says forgiveness is spiritual. And when you and I forgive by faith in our spirit, man, it has nothing to do with how we feel. Because grace is so powerful that there is no sin that a believer can, can, can get in that grace can't handle. See, some of y'all don't think that grace can handle your sin. Grace can handle it. The question is, can you handle it? Amen. So how do you and I overcome a sin conscious? There are four things as we close here. How do we overcome a sin conscious and have confidence towards God? Especially when we remember what we did. 
Because I'm talking to somebody this morning and, and, and having that abortion still plagues you. I'm talking to someone who's, who that divorce still stings. I'm talking to someone who cheated in their relationship and you have not gotten over that. So what are the things that we can do? Number one, when you and I are asking or petitioning God, it is our confidence in him, not our confidence in us that gets my prayers answered. I'm going to say that again. When you and I are asking or petitioning God, it is our confidence in him. Not our confidence in us that gets our prayers answered. First John 5.14 says, and this is the confidence, watch this, that we have in who? In him. The confidence is not in me. The confidence is not how I acted. The confidence is not in how many times I did good or how many times I didn't do good. The confidence is not in me. My confidence is in him. And that ought to take a weight off of you right there. Because my confidence that my... See, because some of you all are praying. And what's interesting is, just like this person I was talking to this week, they could pray for somebody else and believe God for them. But then when it's time for them to pray for themselves, they don't feel that they deserve it. Well, just know that you didn't deserve it. That's why Jesus showed up. And it's our confidence in what he did that, watch this, qualifies us to come boldly to the throne of grace. Amen. Here's number two. We must apply the blood when my mind starts lying. We must apply the blood when our mind starts lying. Because your mind, listen... Your mind remembers what you did even though God didn't. The Bible says when God forgives us, it's as far as the east is from the west. He does not remember them. So if the God of this universe does not remember what I did, why am I carrying it around? Why am I allowing something that I may have done to weigh me down to a point where I can't even walk free in Christ Jesus? Why? It's because what, what, listen, I've decided to care more than God. Hebrews 9:11 says, but Christ being come and high priest of good things by a greater and more perfect tabernacle, not made with hands, verse 12, neither by the blood of goats and calves, this is talking about Jesus. But by his own blood, he entered in once, not twice. He entered in one time into the holy place, having obtained eternal redemption for us. For if the blood of bulls and of goats and of ashes of a heifer sprinkling the unclean sanctified the, to the purifying of the flesh. In other words, he's saying if the blood of these animals were good enough, we would not have needed Jesus. Verse 14 says, if those... Uh, animals and their blood purified the flesh temporarily. Look in verse 14. How much more shall the blood of Christ, who through the eternal spirit offered himself without spot to God, watch this now, and Jesus is able to purge your conscience from dead works to serving the living God. When your mind starts lying, you need to apply the blood. 
When the devil starts reminding you of what you did, what you need to do is remind him of the word. Well, the word says, if I confess my sin, he is faithful and just to forgive me for my sin. And he ain't just forgiving me, devil. He cleansed me, devil. Here's a second thing. This is number two or three. Number three, when I, when you and I confess our sins, it is for fellowship purposes and not for relationship purposes. See, when you and I got saved, the scripture calls us being born again. That means God's spirit came to live on the inside of you. You will never read in the Bible where someone has been unborn again. You'll never read it. You say, well, Pastor, what does that mean? Uh, that means that there, God has some bad kids too. How many, how many kids have acted bad before? Let me see your hand if they've acted bad before. Well, God has kids and sometimes we don't act our best, but that does not mean we're not his children. And so what happens sometimes, people think that when they're confessing their sin, it's so that they can keep intact their relationship with God. But it has nothing to do with your relationship with God. It has all to do with your fellowship with God. And that's why if you go back and read 1 John 1, 5, it talks about that if, if verse 8, if we say we have no sin, we deceive ourselves. But if you go and read in, in uh, the top part of the verse, it says if we say we have fellowship with him and walk in darkness, we do not do the truth. But if we walk in the light. See, the whole context is fellowship. So if you're on your deathbed and you don't remember a sin that you committed and you died, it's not about heaven or hell at that point. It's about fellowship with God. That's why you need to keep your sin count low. Keep it low. Low, 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 low. Let me tell you why you want to keep your sin count low. Because it helps your heart See, a clean heart gives you confidence towards God. So, I've decided there are certain areas that uh, I'm not participating in. Now, you might run up on me one day and, and, and startle me and you might get a cup of coffee on you. I don't know. But there are certain things that, that you need to, to not participate in. Amen. You're not going to read on the front page, Pastor Evan cheating on his wife. You're not going to read that. I've already counted the cost. It costs too much. I'm not willing to pay that price. Make your mind up. There are some people right now. You're dabbling. You're flirting. Every head bowed. You're flirting with some sin. Flirting here, flirting there. And I believe God's trying to catch you before you dive in. What is the Spirit of God saying to you today? What is He saying? Listen to Him. Some of you all need to draw a line in the sand. I will not be participating. There are some people on your job. You've been flirting. It's time now to stop participating. There are some people who 
The devil's plagued you for years over some bad choices you've made. Decide today, that's it. I'm not going to process being forgiven through how I feel. I'm going to process it through my will. And Jesus said, he forgave me and he cleansed me. So Father, I thank you this morning. I pray that every heart has heard your intent. That they will understand, Father, sin has no more dominion over us. Why? Because Jesus has already taken the curse. He's already paid the price. It's a done deal. And all we have to do, Father, if we confess our sin, you said you are faithful and just to forgive us and cleanse us. And so, Lord, I thank you that today the stronghold of a sin conscious has been broken. Maybe you're here today and if you died, here's my question, are you 100% sure you'd go to heaven? Maybe, maybe you've never made Jesus the Lord of your life. Maybe because you haven't, you're still responsible for your sin.